And now, live on tape from Speed Shop Sound Studios in North Hollywood, California, it's The Rodcast. Brought to you by your friends at the American Hot Rod Foundation. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the host of The Rodcast, David Steele. Right, folks, now we are talking. Get ready for another great episode of the Rodcast brought to you by your friends at the American Hot Rod Foundation. My name is David Steele, and it is good to be back. Thank you. Thank you, by the way, for that fine introduction, Larry Babb. Yes, we are back, and what a great episode we have for you today. This is the last in a three-part series featuring drag racing legend Steve Gibbs. And I have to say, this has really been a joy to get to bring to our listeners and uh, this story. And we, we just, we can't thank Steve enough for the, for his time and sitting down with us and sharing his incredible story. Uh, just fantastic stuff. And as You'll hear today, Steve picks right up where we left off in talking about what his view was like uh, during that fateful 2016 Bakersfield NHRA Hot Rod reunion when a kind of an impossible collection of unfortunate circumstances uh, were thrown at him. Uh, really nasty stuff, and it's it's the kind of test that no person wants to be faced with, but uh, certainly, you know, nobody there's nobody better than Steve to take that on, and and, and you'll you'll hear all about that. But you know, in a funny way, you know, we have the higher ups at the NHRA to thank for driving Steve to start his own event, the fantastic Nitro Revival, which by the way, is coming right up this weekend in Irwindale, California. For those who are listening in real time and can make it out to the track this weekend, it's uh, it's going to be an amazing time and will surely prove to be a serious release for, for all the fans and competitors who've been chomping at the bit to get back out to the track after some serious time off. So... Um, yeah, let's get right into it. I, I'm I'm super excited to be uh, delivering this to the listeners today. Let's uh, let's roll it. The third and final episode of our Rodcast series with the great Steve Gibbs. Talking about the Hot Rod reunions, how this has kind of it's become its own industry in a way. Do you mind talking to us about? No, not at all. Well, 2016 was going to be the 25th annual Hot Rod Reunion. 25 years, that's a pretty serious accomplishment. And um, there had been growth all through that. I mean, the reunion was generating a good amount of money to the museum. And for the first few years, NHRA proper almost had a hands-off approach to the, re they just let, they let us do it. They let the museum run it. We ran it. I think we did a good job. 
this cackle fest thing had come along in 2000. And it was just kind of a spur of the moment thing that Greg Sharp and I one day, uh, we got talking about old cars and the push start thing because we had quit push starting cars back in the 80s because they simply got too long and they were, you just couldn't manage them anymore with the rear engine long wheelbase cars. Some tracks didn't have fire up roads. So when we got electric starters and all this, the push start thing went away. But if you go back far enough, that used to be a big part of the show. I mean, that was, there was just something about that was kind of magical, that, that noise to hear that kind of a hollow sound when, you know, you let the clutch out before you hit that mag switch and thing would come to life and the car would move away. It was just something special about that. And a lot of guys had never, they'd never even seen that done. Didn't even know we did that kind of a thing. So Greg and I, for the 2000 event, rounded up eight cars. One car couldn't push start. We actually had nine cars on the racetrack. Wasn't even on the schedule. I mean, it was just something that we threw in at the end of the day. We push started those guys. They all lined up on the track and boy, it lit, you know, a bulb, a bunch of heads. And guys were there that literally said, and they get tears in their eyes seeing that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build one of these. I'm gonna do this again. I'm gonna go find my old race car. It just, it generated an emotion that uh, we hadn't anticipated. I mean, we didn't, there was no master plan on this thing. Over a period of time, there's been over 250 of these cars that have been, you know, recreated, restored, replicated. Um, a couple of them are right over well, yeah, your shoulder. Oh yeah, are, that's the prime thanks, example. Thanks Some to Don Prieto. must have got the bug to do this again. I mean, here's a chance to kind of do it again. I mean, we can't go out there and race. It's gotten too exotic, too expensive. But by God, I can have a hot rod. I can burn a little bit of nitro. I can hang out with my buddies. I can kind of relive that element of my life. And I think a lot of guys shared that. And uh, well, I know they did. And so that had grown. In the year 2015, I had 58 cars that push started on Saturday night to do our cackle fest. It had turned into, I'd say, the main event of the reunion. It wasn't even part of the original reunions, but it had grown into a big part of the reunion, maybe not the main event, maybe other people were just there to visit and see old friends, but it was a big deal. The grandstands were pretty full on Saturday night when we did the Cackle Fest. The 25th annual reunion comes around, and this is gonna be the biggest one yet. I mean, this is the silver anniversary of the Hot Rod reunion. And guys were, I mean, hell, uh, Ross Preen was shipping his car from Australia to be a part of this. Guys were coming to that event that probably wouldn't come otherwise. It was a big deal to come to the 25th annual. A couple, three months before the event, I get a notification from the NHRA higher ups. We got a problem. Really? What's the problem? Well, we just can't do this anymore. What? Run this many cars in this cackle thing you do. It's just unsafe. You can't do it anymore. Really? I mean, we're going to change this right now? We're going to, you know, and basically, yeah. It, it is just, um, and and well, up why? until then, you've really just never heard from the higher up? It's very higher little, very little. Somebody, I, I, I suspect what happened, we've got a couple of people that are not real 
keen on the whole nostalgia movement. They, they, I think some people within the walls of NHRA just felt like that's not what we do, you know, and they got more and more involved in it. They got more involved in the running of the museum from the business angle of things. We had a different director at the museum. And for whatever reason, I just think they wanted to get their fingers on the damn deal. So it got to the point, well, how many cars could we run? You know, I had 58 last year. We've never been sued, never had a major accident, never had a, you know, we've had, there's a risk. Obviously there's a risk anytime you light an engine like this here. You know, could a car get into the fence on that fireproof? It's possible, I've never seen it happen. Yeah, it's possible. If you're that concerned, I got guardrail down there in the boneyard. We'll put up a section of guardrail down this fence. I got volunteers that'll do it. No, we're not going to do that. And they just basically said no. And it got to the point, you know, I said, damn it, I, I got my fingerprints all over this thing. I'm a past grand marshal. This is a salute to the 25th annual deal. You guys have got a different idea about running this thing. You run it, I'm just gonna go and enjoy it, okay? As a past, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be the, you know, whatever, enjoy my role and not be actively involved in the production of it. Limit the cars, whatever you wanna do, you run it. Trust us, we'll do it, everything is wonderful, enjoy it, have, have a good time, enjoy the event. Well, they thoroughly screwed it up. I mean, it was a mess right from from day one, when these guys pulled in there, I guess they had a meeting and basically told these guys, you guys don't even know how to, they wouldn't even let them fire the cars up. I think there was a sheet handed out. Don may have one that basically says, you can't even start the engines. Like in the pits. In the pits, nowhere. You cannot start those engines. Now, next thing there's another meeting. Well, you can start the engines only if there's an observer. I mean, it was just, it was pathetic what happened up there. I just kind of stood back and watched this whole thing go downhill. I mean, guys who went, there's a lot of guys who will not go back. I can name guys who will not go back to that event based on what happened in 2016. And um, when it was all said and done, it turned into be a disaster. The deal at the hotel used to be a big deal. I mean, we would fire up cars out front. I think they had one car out there it's the 25th annual hot rod reunion at the hotel. I mean, I'm patting myself on the back, but I think my involvement in that carried a lot of, a lot of weight, I guess. And I think when they, a lot of the outside guys could see what was happening, it, they took it, they took it bad. I think NHRA shot themselves in the foot by assuming they could do it better and with their new set of rules and you know, I don't know if they honestly thought they were saving the world from some disaster. They've tried to put it back to exactly the way it was. I know that, so it couldn't mm. have been too bad. They've gone back to the same Saturday night, pushed the cars just so it, it, it seems like that uh, they've thought about it because it's affected their bottom line. That race is not the same as it was. It's been hurt. And um, the following year, early in the year 2017, I'm in a museum one day and I kind of took the museum staff to task about the job they did at the reunion because they said, trust us, we'll do it right, trust us. The gal that was kind of become 
the organizer of the thing. She was still at the museum, and she's listening to me go on and on. I was bitching about it. I was really kind of unloading them. I thought that, well, they didn't want to hear it. They just didn't want to hear this old guy telling them what a terrible job they had done. So I was on a year-to-year -year contract with NHRA as the, a consultant. A couple of weeks later, they called me in and said, well, you got your contract for next year. In fact, we got it for the next two years. Really, that's maybe, maybe you know, things are getting better. And Graham Light, he handed me this contract. And he said, there's probably a couple things in there you may not like. Really. Well, the money was the same. Not a huge amount of money, but enough to be a part of my, you know, I was retired, but I was making enough as a consultant that it's a pretty big part of our budget. Well, it wasn't going to change, but they were only going to pay me two-thirds up until the end of the two years. And if I had been a good little boy, they were going to give me the lump sum of the third they were withholding just to see if I could, you know, follow the rules. And you talk about non-disclosure kind of stuff. It had language in there I couldn't, I couldn't say. I mean, I couldn't do anything. It's just basically shut up, go sit in the corner. We'll pay you to sit in that corner and let us do this deal. And I looked at it, 48 years I've been with NHRA. I said, Graham, I can't sign this. I can't do it. Well, that was it. That was it. And um, I had hoped to do 50 years. That was kind of my target, to do a 50-year 50, 50 thing with NHRA, even though part of those years were, again, just as a consultant. But I was, hell, we generated half of my salary that I was getting, we generated that from the auctions we did that. I was paying half of my salary, me and my daughter, but these auctions, it, every year, for five years in a row, I'd go in there for the director of the museum and give him over $25,000 in cash. Just here it is. You know, they didn't have to do a damn thing. I mean, we, we did that on our own. Between John Ewald, who played a big role in the, those original auctions, and guys that donated some really good stuff. I mean, there was good stuff at those original auctions. And we would net over $25,000 five years in a row. I mean, that was more than half of what I was making. So, I mean, they shot themselves in the foot when they made it to the point I mean, a lot of people say they let you go, they fired you. No, that's not true. I walked on my own terms, but I wasn't going to go along with what was laid in front of me. I was not going to do it. An attorney friend of mine read that contract. He says, quote, this oozes with paranoia. I mean, that's, uh, and it did. They just, they didn't want me to be a factor in what they were doing. And the only way I could avoid that was to just leave. And that's, uh, it's a shame because it's kind of thrown, I worry about my relationship with Greg Sharp. I love Greg Sharp, but he's not gonna leave the museum. So it's kind of put us you know, at odds over this whole thing. And I, I regret that because uh, personally, we're, you know, there's no problem whatsoever. As far as other people with NHRA, I could give a rat's ass less about what happens to them or what they decide to do. Um, I don't pretend to have all the answers to everything, but I think we were doing a good job at what we did, and we were making money for the museum, the museum was thriving, and I think we had a lot of honest uh, interest and support out there, and now there's a lot of, uh, I think, 
ill will. Are you at the museum or at the reunions or both? Well, both. I think as long as the, the reunions, and they've tried to roll it back, okay? They've tried to undo the damage that was done, but they've never, they've never quite got there. I mean, it, it did some permanent damage. I think it's maybe gotten a little bit better and they've tried to say the right things. I think they wrote some letters almost apologizing. Uh, hmm. But they screwed up, they screwed up. And the people that are running in HRA today are still the same people that let that happen. So um, it's a shame. Now, there's a side of me, the, the Wally Parks in HRA, the museum, the reunions, there's a side of me with a loyalty to that that will never go away because I had a lot to do with it. But it's become something entirely different today to the point that uh, you know, we're doing our own little deal. We'll, we'll make our little niche and try to do some of the same things we tried to do up there. And we're getting by. We're having fun with our Nitro Revival thing. It's a great thing. You know, this pandemic thing has obviously been a mess. But uh, that little deal will be around for a while because we're, we're actually trying to roll back what the reunion almost started out as, trying to get back to that point, uh, that same emotion, that same mentality. And, um, and it boils down to people more than anything else, you know. But the, the cackle cars are a big part of that deal. And the guys have invested a lot of money in these cars. They're saving history. I mean, they are literally saving the history of the sport. And to be treated that way at that event, I mean, they mm. were just basically dismissed. Like, you guys, uh, you don't count. You don't count, you know. You, you guys don't maintain these cars well. You don't know what you're doing. I mean, it was, a, it was an insult. It was an insult. Yeah, I mean, when you went to the reunion in 16, what actually happened when you were there? I mean, I, because I'm sure a lot of guys assumed you're still running well, it. Well, they did. Uh, I just kind of stay out. Of, I just kind of stayed out of the middle of things. I wasn't going to go make a big scene about any of this stuff. So my wife and I, we didn't even go up until Friday. You know, normally I'd have been up there most of the week, you know. So we, we went up there. I just casually went in. We hung out with some friends in the pits. I was just there. I didn't, uh, um, we went to the Friday night thing at the hotel and they didn't even introduce me. I mean, it was just, uh, oh my God. you know, it was just, the only, the only way I got introduced was, well, this is actually, I'll take that back. At the 2016 thing they did, at the 2017 thing, when I wasn't a part of it, I was at the hotel that night. I didn't even go to the reunion. I only went to the hotel to see the guys get the honors. And had not Kelly Brown even mentioned my name, there would have been not, not even any recognition of the guy that started this whole thing. It was just pettiness, I think, on their part. You know, it's their game. They can do it the way they want. And, you know, I'm sure they'll look at me and say the pettiness is on my part, you know, is it? But um, who knows? Who knows? Was it, a, and I don't, I don't mean to grind away on this, but uh, is it a thing where the NHRA kind of being unsure of their future as producing big-time drag racing, they're looking at this other thing that's over here hitting on all cylinders and it's making money and they've got this museum that maybe they don't really care about <laughs> and 
do you think that they just saw that as an opportunity and thought they'd come in and maybe we can do something with this? And it, it could be. Um, there was an attempt at one point to relocate the museum into the Peterson. We, we got called in one day and they presented this whole concept to us of actually shutting down the NHRA museum and moving it into the basement over Peterson which told me right away that the upper management of NHRA could really give a rat's ass less about what the museum stood for and what we were trying to do. That never worked out, but it painted a pretty clear picture of me of what mm. their, you know, their commitment to the museum. Now, they, they, you'll never hear that. I mean, oh, they're committed, everything is wonderful, it's a wonder, you know, but the museum is not a big part of their thought process. Yeah. And. Um, because they're not, it doesn't sound like they're car people. Right. All right. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a damn shame that things have gone the way they did. We had a good thing going at one time. The, the, the reunion supported the museum. Everybody was happy. But um, it's the old saying, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, they, they decided they had to fix it, and, uh, and they did. And it hasn't worked out. And... Uh, I doubt they'll ever acknowledge that. I think denial is uh, rampant hmm. <laughs> within that organization. Let's talk about the Nitro Revival. That, that's something that some, somehow you were able to whip that up and get that on its feet well, when, within when I walked like 10 from months the, yeah, of When the, I walked from NHRA, I truly didn't know what was next. I mean, I'm obviously not involved with them anymore. Um, fellow named Ron Johnson, who uh, had uh, built like three different cackle cars. And he, he lived in, es in Escondido, and we you know, formed a good friendship. He basically said, you need to do something. We, need, we can't let this die down. You've got too good a following here. We've got too many of these guys with these kind of cars that are obviously not real welcome over to NHRA anymore. We need to do something. And I said, hell, I what you know what are where could we do something like that so we started we kind of come up with an idea of putting together a little event and come up with the name nitro revival i mean i got a lot of letters from nhr he said i could not use the word cackle fest or i couldn't use the word reunion or i couldn't use the word i mean tell me all this crap i can't do you know dragster it, oxygen oh, yeah, you know tire <laughs> yeah it was just you know threatening stuff um, on one hand, you know, how are you? We hope you're well, <laughs> you know, but don't, don't do this and don't do that. And, uh, and they had registered the name Cacklefest. So we, we, anyway, we, Ron and I come up with an idea of uh, doing an event. Well, the first place we thought about doing it was Irwindale because it's central location. I mean, it's right here in River City. Well, at that time, Irwindale, they had a closing date. That place was going to go under in February of the following year. And they didn't have any dates left in 2017. So we, that was a dead end. And um, well, we finally settled on the little thing at Barona. And um, I mean, it's rustic, it's out in the middle of kind of nowhere, but it fits kind of what we're doing. And um, so Ron, Ron, you know, had some money and he said, I'll, bankroll leasing the track for that weekend which was not a huge amount of money and um you organize the thing and we'll we'll put it together so that's 
pretty simple deal. You know, we obviously got contact with all the guys with these kind of cars. And, um, you know, the Internet's pretty good about spreading the word. And we did the little thing at Barona. It had made a few dollars. They were pretty happy. The only thing about Barona, it was never going to get any better. I mean, it's kind of, a, you know, it's kind of dirty and dusty and not the easiest place to get to. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't really see it going much beyond what that first event was. And then just out of the blue, we had some contact with uh, Laguna Seca. And, you know, a fellow that had worked for NHRA, uh, Melvin Record, was working at Laguna Seca at the time, as was Brad Littlefield. And they got us in touch with the management at Laguna Seca. And so we did the second hot rod uh, you know, nitro revival at, uh, at Laguna Seca. It was a pretty cool event. It did a good, good turnout. Uh, financially, it probably pushed. I don't think anybody lost a lot of money on it. Um, the road race folks accepted us. We had a great time up there. It was a nice event. We were going to go back to Laguna Seca the next year. And they entirely changed their management up there. They just, whole new deal. Mm -hmm. So, well, here we are again. But in the meantime, Irwindale has gotten a fresh lease on life. So we contact Tim Huddleston, who's running Irwindale, and said, hey, uh, he says, well, I know all about you guys. He had worked for Justice Brothers for a long time, so he actually manned the Justice Brother tent at the early Hot Rod reunion. So Tim mm. was well familiar with what hmm. a reunion type event was about. And he was eager to have us come out there. And we did the one last year and it went over pretty well. I think it, uh, and it was tough for us because my wife had died just a couple of weeks actually before this thing happened. And um, so it was not an easy deal to do getting through that time frame, but um, with a lot of help from a lot of people, we we did it, and we were on the calendar for this year. And then this uh, virus thing just screwed everything up. But we're we're solid at Irwindale. As soon as things stabilize to where we can get a date that we know we're going to be able to, you know, do our deal, and we'll be back at Irwindale with Nitro revivals. And Tim said, as long as He's got the place. We're more than welcome to be a part of it. So, man, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. We're, it's not the biggest event in town, you know, but it's. Uh, I think it still has that kind of feel-good atmosphere. Old guys getting together. You know, these guys are dying off. That's the sad part of this thing. Is so many of the guys that have really made this thing work, we're losing them on a, unfortunately, a pretty steady basis. Now, it's kind of nice that there's some next generation guys that are kind of getting into it. I, my daughter, uh, she loves what she's doing with it. I hope that when my time comes, that this thing is still alive and she can maybe keep it going or whoever else is out there. I think there's a need for this kind of event, though, um, as long as there's people that want to go to these kind of events. And uh, that's where we're at. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, we're coming to the end of it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I just want you to maybe share with us if you have some high points, some points of pride from your career. Well, I do. I mean, I, uh, and I've been recognized, uh, recognized for it. I mean, I've been inducted into the Drag Racing Hall of Fame. I was given the Global Achievement Award by the British Hot Rod Association. I've been 
the Holly Award, which was a big deal at that time. I mean, I've, I've been recognized for the, my contributions to the sport, so I, that's, that all feels good. And, um, and I can look back on things that I did that I can physically see. I mean, at the racetracks, uh, I mean, I was the first guy to have concrete starting lines put in. I was the guy that shortened the Christmas tree. I was the guy that developed some of the procedures at the way national events run, the way they're qualified. I mean, I contributed a lot to this sport. And I look back on that and I'm, I'm proud of that. I, I think that, uh, and, and at the same time, I feel that if whatever I took out of the sport, I'm more than put into it. I don't I feel the books are in some ways, maybe not even balanced. Uh, compared to what I see some other folks later on got in and, <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes wonder how Sandy Koufax felt, you know, when he had to struggle to get a hundred grand to pitch. And now you got guys that, you know, sign a contract and make 10 million without even, yeah. you know, so I, it, that's maybe a silly analogy, but I do feel like if I'd have come along 10 years later, I'd have probably made a whole lot more money for doing a lot less, mm. but uh, it's, uh, but I'm proud of what I did. I'm proud of my role in the sport. I was a blue collar guy that was given an opportunity by Wally Parks. I think I made the best of that opportunity and just happened to land on a time frame where it allowed a guy like me to do that. And um, I guess that kind of wraps it up, you know, but it's, it's been good. I mean, overall, I, you know, if I, if I sound like I'm complaining well, I might be for a particular period of time and kind of the way things wrapped up. But overall, no. Overall, if you spread it out over all those years, you know, pretty damn good. Pretty good. Well, I sure agree. And uh, we thank you for everything you've done for the sport. And uh, in particular for me, the Hot Rod reunion is such a wonderful thing uh, for a guy my age and, and anyone who's an enthusiast in my age group, it's a, it's an opportunity to see stuff, a version of what you got to see when. I guess it maybe reverse back to my original involvement as a fan, and I think the Hot Rod reunions is almost reliving that role all over again of just being a fan, yeah. being able to see these cars, see these guys, in a nice circumstance, and not get caught up in the politics and all the nonsense. So I think it's up. Maybe I've gone full circle on this whole thing. Well, and I was going to say, and even better, the Nitro Revival. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the purest form of it. So it's, it's been good. And we, we will do it again. I mean, it's... Uh, oh, it's, go, it's going to be great. Well, I'm going to be taking my son to that, and hopefully he'll take his son. Well, I mean it. I look forward to when that happens. We'll come up with a date as soon as this damn virus thing clears itself up, and then that will happen. Things will settle back. You know? Oh, yeah. But thank you for... You know, let me unload on some of this stuff here, but uh, I guess some folks might want to hear about it. Oh, they will. <laughs> and we really do appreciate it. So thank you, Steve, for your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and there you have it, folks. Another great episode of the Rodcast brought to you by the American Hot Rod Foundation Extra Special thanks to our guest, Steve Gibbs, for putting in the time, sitting down with us for this three-part, three-part series. So great. Uh, as much fun as it's been to assemble these episodes, I, I can say that the real thrill was getting to sit across from the man and just 
asking question after question only to become more and more fascinated with his journey and uh, what a journey it has been. So thank you, Steve, again, for all you've done for our hobby and sport and for simply being one of the truly, truly good guys. Uh, of all the things of all the things we got to learn about Steve through this process, I'd have to say that uh, that is far and away the quality that, that means the most. So always awesome to uh, learn that about your heroes. Special thanks, by the way, as always, to our announcer, Larry Babb, and all the staff here at Speed Shop Sound Studios in North Hollywood, California. As always, our PR person is Angela Helton with social media management coming from Crystal Hayes. Technical assistance from Eric Curtis, Cole Koontz, Katie Sloan. And as always, all broadcast music is written, written and performed by me. Special thanks to our archivist and historian, Jim Miller, always doing the heavy lifting and keeping us honest. The American Hot Rod Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit and was founded in 2002 by Steve and Carol Mamishian for the sole purpose of documenting and preserving the history of hot rodding. Without their generosity and passion for this work, none of this would be possible. So as always, if you'd like to learn more about the foundation, hop over to our website, ahrf.com. You can support us there by checking out our merchandise, making a don't making a donation or better yet sign up to become a supporting member of the ahrf and among a whole lot of other perks you'll get to enjoy the video versions of many of these broadcasts that you're listening to here so you can also follow us across all our social media channels facebook instagram twitter you'll be provided with daily posts consisting of historical images pulled from the foundation archives as well as information on future episodes of the broadcast so again huge thanks to the great steve gibbs for his generosity for being such a great friend of the american hot rod foundation and for everything he has contributed to our great american pastime and with that we thank you for tuning in and we hope you'll join us again next time right here for another great episode of the broadcast Thanks for listening to another great episode of the Rodcast, brought to you by the American Hot Rod Foundation.